Pastor Rick. Well, church, uh, take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs. Proverbs, uh, right in the middle of your Bible, if you open to the middle, it's Psalms, and then you're going to turn to the right just a little bit, this book of Proverbs, a great uh, book of Scripture. Um, How many have never heard a sermon directly out of the Proverbs? Raise your hands, directly. Okay, most of you had, wow. I I have rarely heard a message directly from the Proverbs, and we're going to be taking the next four weeks to journey through uh, two chapters of Proverbs. Uh, The next three weeks are actually going to be in Proverbs chapter 10, and Proverbs kind of starts in 10 in some ways uh, because it starts with uh, a a whole bunch of proverbial truths beginning in chapter 10, and it works through several hundred of them all the way through about 20 before it uh, takes a break a little bit. Uh, But this is a powerful book of Scripture. Uh, By the way, Proverbs, it's about how life ought to work. It, it, It shows slices of truth or slices of reality the way that life typically works. And so this is the framework of Proverbs, which is very appropriate in a church like ours that uh, works through books of Scripture, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Proverbs presents a little bit of a challenge because Proverbs certainly is more thematic-based. And so in chapter nine, or chapter 10, rather, over the next three weeks, uh, we will talk about very practical things. In fact, three practical things. Today is your words. Next week is work and laziness. And Three weeks uh, from now is, uh, is wickedness or righteousness. And then week four is going to be on wisdom versus folly. So that'll be out of chapter nine. Uh, but finish this uh, statement for me, would you? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but that is the lamest saying in humanity. Sticks and stones may indeed be able to hurt or break your bones, but there is nothing, there is nothing that has greater power than a sharp word. The cartoon says it best, danger, mouth operates faster than the brain. Or another one, I don't always put a foot in my mouth, sometimes I put them both in. Or another I would like to apologize to anyone I have not offended. Be patient, patient. I will get to you shortly. (laughs) Or finally, as one of my daughters told me recently, I'm sorry I called you stupid. I thought you already knew. (laughs) That great? The mouth, the tongue. There is no more powerful weapon for those of us who have uh, concealed carry permits. That concealed carry permit gives you permission, so to speak, to carry a very powerful weapon on you. But I'm telling you, there is nothing more powerful than your tongue. Nothing. Nothing is more powerful than the words that you speak, both for good and for evil. James 3 is the most popular, famous biblical passage on it. Uh, Here's what James says, metaphors. It gives pictures of this, of the tongue. It's like a bit in a horse's mouth. It guides the whole body. It's like a rudder of a large ship. It directs the whole course of one's life. It's like a wild beast, so wild nobody can tame it. It is like a small spark. It can set ablaze an entire forest. Have you ever heard uh, somebody speak a harsh word to you? 
Have your, has your soul ever been cut to the heart because of something that somebody ha- has said? On the flip side of that, has somebody ever come along to encourage you and exhort you and lift you up in times of troubles and give you hope that there's a tomorrow will, will shine again, the sun will come up? Uh, the, the power of the tongue is enormously powerful. And as we turn to the book of Proverbs, uh, this is a book that has so much to say about the lips. So much to say about the mouth. So much to say about the words that we speak. And as we begin 2017, as I was processing several months ago, of, of what do we need to do? Man, I, I, just, I, I felt we need to just take a, a, a parenthesis between big series and land ourselves in one of the greatest, most practical books, a series of wisdom principles, a series of principles that ultimately point us to very practical things of the human life, how we operate in the home towards marriages, how we operate operate in speaking to our children, how we operate in the workplace as we talk with one another, how we operate on social media as we type the words that we're thinking. All of these things are so practical, and I'm so excited because at the end of the day, the most important principle of wisdom is this, is that wisdom is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And the New Testament says, someone greater than Solomon is here. And it calls Jesus the very wisdom of God. So today I am confident uh, I have been challenged and convicted for seven straight days planning for this message. This is great. Nothing will have you watch your tongue more carefully than studying all week long about what God says about the mouth. And now is your chance to be convicted right? And, and encouraged, and by the end, exhorted to do something positive and powerful because God has given you a powerful gift, and it is in the very words that you speak towards one another. This message will be practical. It will hit you on every single level of your life, and we turn to Proverbs chapter 10 for this. And we want to welcome, would you, by the way, welcome those joining us live via simulcast in Kansas. I know a couple there in Mexico, a couple there in California, and our Bel Air campus. We greet you in the name of the Lord. Greetings to you. Proverbs chapter 10, point number one is this. Some of us talk too much. I told you it was going to be practical. No elbow sharpening with a person next to you. Some of us talk too much. Amen? Verse 19 is the framework for this. When words are many, sin is not absent or transgression is not lacking. What that means is the more you talk, the greater the percentage of a chance is that you're going to (laughs) sin. It is in direct proportion. Verbosity leads to sinfulness. Where Words are many. Sin is not absent, but whoever, uh, read that with me, what does it say? Restrains. Whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Have you ever regretted something that you've said? Have you ever said something, and the moment you say it, you're like, ah, I should have thought about that first. Have you ever seen the look on someone's face when a sharp word has totally wrecked their spirit? That is the worst experience I think, in the human life. Have you ever spoke a word to one of your children and you saw that their spirit was crushed? When words are many, sin is not absent. The more we talk, the more chances there are for sinfulness. But it gives us a contrast. 
Whoever restrains his lips is prudent. That is, NIV, holds his tongue. Whoever holds his tongue, the posture of the Christian life. Let me speak to you, Christian, who's been bought, renewed, purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. The posture of the Christian life should be a posture of restraint with the things we say. Let me frame it another way. We ought not say everything that comes to our mind. You know that, right? You do not have to say it. If it comes to your mind, you don't automatically have to say it. There, you don't have to. And there's a biblical principle to take every thought, what? Captive. That's what the principle means. It means when the thought comes to your mind and you're about ready to issue a word from your lips towards another human being, you ought to process before you speak, will this word cut them, hurt them, or will it build them up and encourage them? And if it is a negative thought, and boy, do we have them all throughout the day. If it is a negative thought, the posture of the Christian life is restraint. Restraint. When I lived in Chicago at school for four years, uh, occasionally I would see a very, very funny thing on the streets of Chicago. I would see a mom or presumably a daycare worker who literally would have a leash and the leash was attached to children who had a harness around them. And the leash attached to the children was intended to keep them what? Out of harm's way, to keep them protected from the traffic. And I thought, man, what a picture. If kids need a restraint with a harness, how much more does our tongue that would be a very fascinating picture to put a leash around this and just all day long hold it. You're, you're, you're controlling it. You're restraining the tongue. I was talking to a man uh, just before the service and, and we were just talking about the importance of, of, of just being silent. And yesterday he said, he said he said something to a group of people. He should have just shut up. And I said, you know, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about this. Listen, how many here know, know one language, uh, English? Any, how many? Just just. Okay, we ought to be fluent in two languages, English and silence. And I looked it up, I looked it up on that, uh, that website that teaches you how to speak languages, Rosetta Stone, you know what I'm saying? Rosetta Stone does not offer silence as a language, but the scripture does. Whoever restrains his tongue is wise. Don't say everything that comes to mind. Some of us talk too much. Proverbs chapter 10 lists five foot and mouth diseases. You ready for them? Here we go. Number one, babbling brook. Now, I'm going to have five names attached to these principles. I am not trying to offend anyone. If your name is any of these, please, I was not thinking of you. The first one is the babbling brook. Verse eight, the wise of heart will receive commandments. What is that posture? It is a posture of receiving correction. It's a posture of what? It's listening, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Verse 10 says the same thing. A babbling fool will come to ruin. In other words, the wise among us are all ears. We're all ears. I'm ready to listen. The fool among us is all mouth. And they're talking so much, talking nonstop, their ears are shut, they're not willing to receive commandments, they're not willing to receive instruction, they don't listen to you, they just talk, 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 talk. They have a disease that is called diarrhea of the mouth. You know what I'm saying? 
And before you, in your mind, are thinking of other people, the first order of business is always, Lord, how does this correctly assess me? How often am I guilty of this? How often do I say things that I ought not to say? Verse 8 is so practical. People that are all mouth and no ears. You know, I was thinking about this passage in one of the greatest, uh, one of the greatest uh, uh, tools, one of the greatest things that you look for in another person especially if you're a business owner and you have employees, especially if you're a parent and you're trying to train your kids, one of the greatest things that you're looking for is a, is a teachable spirit. Not somebody who gets it right all the time, but somebody who when they get it wrong, they listen to you, they listen to your counsel, and they take it in and they make changes in accordance with it. But beware of the person, beware of the employee who always blame shifts, who always is talking, who always has excuses, who never shuts up, who's always talking because that person will come to ruin. A babbling fool comes to ruin. I attempted to fix a faucet on my shower uh, once, uh, and I began to disassemble the parts to get back because it was leaking a little bit, it was dripping, and, and, and then I quickly found out when I took off an inner piece that I had not turned the water off. <laughs> and if you've ever done that, it is a very significant ruining moment. It just shoots, and all, it's too late. And again, some people are like that. Some people have not learned to shut the water off on their mouth. They have not learned, and it leads to ruin all the time. What a great principle to apply to our lives, to take every thought captive. Second uh, foot and mouth disease is this, deceitful Doug. Deceitful Doug. Verse 6 is this, blessings, blessings are on the head of the righteous. Do you want that? Well, here's the contrary. But the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. So it contrasts the righteous with the wicked, and it says that the wicked, in their mouth, they conceal violence. What does that mean? They conceal violence. Well, what it means is this, is that they speak with honey on their lips. What they say sounds so good, but they have a weapon beneath the table, and they're ready to shoot at any time. What it means is that there's hidden agendas. Do you know anybody like this? It seems that everything that they say, somehow, it seems a little bit off, a little bit deceptive, and whatever they say, it, it, it sounds really good, but you know at the end of the day, it's just trying to promote themselves. They try to make other people look bad, and they try to make themselves look better, and how guilty are all of us in that? Isn't that true? We have such a propensity to deceive and to lie and to tell half-truths and hypocrisy and Proverbs warns about such a person. And do you know, have you, ever, uh, have you ever heard about Jesus Christ? Have you ever heard of him? Do you know that Isaiah prophesies that there was no deceit in his mouth? None. No deceit whatsoever. But Proverbs warns us about the fool who babbles and who deceives and who lies. Have you ever seen the movie with Jim Carrey, Liar, Liar? Where he was struck all of a sudden uh, by way of fortune because his kid was so tired of his dad deceiving and lying. His, his, his kid, his son, prayed at his birthday for one wish that his dad for 24 hours could not tell a lie. And it came true. And no matter how hard he tried, he couldn't lie. Deceit, deceitful Doug. Third foot and mouth disease in Proverbs 10 is quarrelsome Quinn. Quarrelsome Quinn. Here it is, uh, a, a couple, verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love, love, read it with me, love 
covers all offenses. Read it again. Love covers all offenses. Here it contrasts hatred, hatred with love. And the contrast is significant. Hatred it, it, it is symbolic of somebody who stirs up trouble, who stirs the pot with what they say, who's always trying to interject controversy. They thrive off of drama. They hate people. And so they interject words that cut and hurt and deceive and lie. And on the other side, you have love. Whereas hatred stirs up and they button push and they cause trouble, guess what love does? Love covers up. Love covers up. Love does not repeat an offense. This verse must have been so significant for Peter, the apostle, because he quoted it in chapter four, that love covers a multitude of sin. How much love has Jesus covered with his blood? All of it. Love covers a multitude of sins. One of the commentators I read this week uh, shows the difference between these two principles. Here's the quote on the screen. It shows this, the wicked man hides his own sin. That's deceit. The righteous man overlooks another sin. That's forgiveness. Do you do that well? Do you show love well? Or are you guilty of stirring up trouble? A word about social media. We are as responsible for the things we type as the things that we say. And some people use social media as an outlet for their anger, uh, for stirring up controversy, for writing things on there that attack politicians or do this or do that or cause trouble in, the, in, in society or try to rile up people against so-and-so. Listen, we are as responsible for the things that we type as the things that we say. And people try to flex their digital muscles because they feel powerful behind that keyboard as they say things. And I just want to challenge that we are as responsible for the things that we type as the things that we say. Do you believe that? Fourth, slandering Sammy. Verse 18, the one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters, what? Slander is a, is a fool. Whoever utters slander, this is Satan's middle name, isn't it? He's called a deceiver, a liar, a slanderer. He makes accusations all day long about the people of God. He approaches the throne of God with slander and accusation. And Romans 8 should remind us, should remind us who can bring any charge against God's elect? This is Paul. He's asking a question to encourage the believer. Who can bring any charge? Who can bring any slander against God's elect? And his answer, it is God who justifies God stands in the way of that slander. And oh, the Christian, we ought not be one prone to slander. That is to bring an accusation and repeat an offense against another person. We ought to be very careful because when we slander, we are speaking Satan's native tongue. We have to be very careful. There's an op-ed writer, his name is Tim Kreider. Uh, Tim Kreider writes for the New York Times. And, uh, and, and in, a, uh, in an op-ed piece that he wrote, he talked about this, that, that his, his, uh, his, uh, his business or his writing uh, causes him, even expects him to be professionally furious. People expect op-ed writers to be what he calls professionally furious because, he says, we live in a culture that is addicted to outrage porn outrage porn. 
And what his column was getting at was assessing that our culture, that the more incendiary the comments, the more ludicrous the statements, the more, the more high profile that you can uh, just raise a slanderous accusation, the more applauded and accepted that you are. Isn't that true in our culture? Friend, for the Christian, we ought to be so far removed from that type of business that the language of our mouth is for the building up of one another. Be very careful that we do not fall into this trap of slander. The fifth one is this in Proverbs 10 is perverse Paul. Perverse Paul. Lewd, crude humor. Verse 31, the mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be what? Cut off. The perverse tongue the one given to crude comments, the one given to perversity of tongue. And my mom used to say, I'm going to wash your mouth out with basic H. Okay, basic H is a cleaning supply. Shackley, a little promotion. I'm going to wash out basic H. And she would. She would bring it out. I'm going to wash your mouth out. Okay, perversity. It's the things that we speak. And some of you men, some of you ladies, you work 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, and your job site is perverse. And I get that. Mine is too. I mean, have you ever worked with these guys? Perverse. But I get that. I get that the workplace can be so hard because all they talk about is who they slept with and, and, and how much they drank. And I get that. That can be so hard. But listen, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, your first order of business is restraint from those conversations and setting an example in speech and in conduct. And here's what's remarkable it's not hard. If you just do that, if you just avoid the filth and the perversity of conversations, people will be like, what's wrong with you? And you'll get the label, oh, the preacher's here. You don't even have to say anything. Just by setting an example of silence and restraint from those things, that ought to be part of our goal as believers, avoiding perversity. So here's an early action step. I memorized this verse. You, too, you should too. Here's an early action step in, in the book of Psalm 141. I've, I've memorized this two years ago, and I quote it to myself often. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart incline to any evil. That's Psalm 141, 3 and 4. Memorize it, early action step. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart incline to any evil. Great memory verse. Some of us talk too much. Isn't that true? Say amen. And point two, and we don't listen well. anybody guilty of not listening well? I am. There's two verses that speak to this, actually three, but we're going to talk about two of them right now. Verse 14 and 17, here they are up on the screen. Verse 14 and 17. The wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. Verse 17, whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. This is what I'm talking about with teachability. 
It comes up again here in the, in the Proverbs. Laying up knowledge, heeding instruction. It's a posture of listening. It's a posture of taking advice. It's a posture of taking counsel. And on the flip side is the fool who rejects reproof. They don't listen to a word you say. They think they know better. They know everything about every subject, even a little bit more than you do. And no matter how much you think you're right, they're right even a little bit more. They blame shift. They compromise. They don't listen well. And may that not be true of us. This is a powerful lesson that some of us do not listen well. Think about the biblical examples of people that don't listen well and the consequences. Saul did not listen to Samuel well. He lost his crown and his authority. Pharaoh did not listen to Moses and to the word of God, and he lost his kingdom. Rehoboam did not listen to the counsel of the old men, but rather to the young foolish men, and he divided the kingdom of Israel. And the Jewish people and the Romans, they did not listen to Jesus Christ and they crucified him. And the consequences was that the lamp of the gospel was removed from them and given to those who would listen. There's one more verse that speaks to this. Verse 13, what language do people, uh, no, the fools, uh, what, what language do they hear? People that don't listen, what language? Well, here's the language. Here's the only language that fools know. On the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found, but... A rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. It's the first time Proverbs talks about the rod, the importance of discipline, and this seems to be the only language that fools know. What's the language? Consequences. Discipline. Punishment. And sometimes the person who talks all the time and doesn't listen and doesn't take advice, the only thing that will solve that problem and get their attention and shake them awake is losing a job. Sometimes the only thing that will wake them up from their stupidity and their folly is the fact that their spouse leaves them or at least separates for a season. Wake up, friend, wake up. You're not listening well. You're not thinking well. You're talking poorly. And it's, this is it. A rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. It's a school of hard knocks. If you had to put a name with that, it would be rebellious rod rebellious rod. Here's a quote by Russell Moore up on the screen. You can have an amazing quiet time, but if you cannot control your tongue from saying too much, then you have an issue with Jesus. You can tear up at praise choruses, but if you nag your husband, then you have a problem with Jesus. Isn't this true? What, the, what uh, James 3 says, isn't it true what James says? That out of our mouth comes blessing and cursing. My friends, he says, this ought not be, right? Out of our mouth comes praise and thanksgiving and, and we exalt him. And then out of the same mouth at 1230 in traffic, we're cutting apart one another in the car. And James says, my friends, my friends, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that ought not be. Some of us talk too much, amen? And... We don't listen well, amen? Okay, let's get to some good news. But there's a better way. <laughs> How many are grateful there's a better way? There's a better way. Here it is. Give life. Give life. This is a great verse. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain 
of life. A fountain of life. When Jesus Christ comes into the world, he is the living water, and from him flows springs of living water. Could you imagine having walked with Jesus to hear the fountain of living water that would flow and proceed from his lips? Oh, to hear him and to listen to him, and we get the privilege to read his word today. My friend, if you are a believer, if you've embraced him as Lord, what a gift, what a what a treasure that you and I have the ability with our lips to flow fountains of living water, encouragement and blessing and life and to be flowing of life in the mouth is the power of what? Life and death. And what a privilege it is to have the gift of life. Think about how much the soul craves attention. The people that you interact with, the family members you have, the coworkers, think about how many people crave attention. All they wanna know is that they're noticed, they're loved, they're treasured, they're valued, they look for encouragement, and they're just looking for somebody who will value who they are and who will speak life into them. I ran across something by Tom Arnold. He wrote a book, How to Lose Five Pounds in Six Years. Great New Year's resolution. He's a comedian, he's a comedian, and he talks about the entertainment world, how everybody's seeking encouragement, and he said this, the reason I wrote this book is because I wanted something out there so people would tell me they liked me. It is the reason behind almost everything I do. Now, there's a sad part to that, isn't there? His identity is wrapped up in what other people are, are affirming of him. They're, they're, I get it. There's a sad part there. But listen, isn't it true that you go around and you just want to know, do people like me? You want to know, am I noticed? Am I valued? Am I treasured? And, 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 and you're looking for people to speak life into you. That is the power of the tongue, that we have the privilege to speak life into one another. So how about this? How about catching people doing something good and praising them for it? How about walking through the workplace this week with coworkers or employees to catch what people are doing right and to thank them for their faithfulness and their perseverance and for sticking with the business for 10 years or 15 years. Man, you've been so faithful. I, I can't say thank you enough. In fact, I don't say it often enough. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are such an amazing blessing to this organization. You are an amazing gift to this enterprise, to this business. Look for ways to bless people. Give life to your children. Give life to your spouse as you speak encouragement and exhortation and blessing upon them. Think about how radical marriages would change if we did that consistently. Give life. Second way, there's a better way. Give value. Give value. Look at this one. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver but the heart of the wicked is of little worth. What is silver? It's value. I have a silver coin here. I have a silver coin, 1921. I pulled this out of my safety deposit box today. And I pulled it out to give it to somebody. And I didn't know who today. But when I was looking across at worship, I thought, that's the person I want to give it to. Because value, this is value, right? Silver, the righteous, the mouth of the righteous is like silver. It's like value. And Lynn, you are so valuable to me. The way that you have blessed my life, 
You are one of the widows who has blessed me and my family. You have blessed my children. And God has blessed me with widows. And you are one of the chief widows that God has blessed my life with. And when I looked over there, I was over there today, I'm like, that's the woman I want to bless today because you are so valuable to me. I want to say thank you. Okay. Okay. So, all right. Now, just, I don't know. What do you think is going to be more valuable to Lynn? The silver piece? Or do you think the words? I'm just asking. What do you think? It's the words. And you can keep the silver, too. (laughs) Silver. The mouth of the righteous is like choice silver. Value. Every time we speak, it is a transaction into the person's life. Every time. And as with your bank statements, there are withdrawals and there are deposits. I checked my credit card receipts and my uh, checking account receipts for one month, and I found 91 withdrawals and five deposits. I'm telling you, any relationship, any marriage, any business where there's 91 withdrawals and there's five deposits is unhealthy. Think about if we were to switch those. Think about your your relationships in life. If you made 91 deposits of encouragement and exhortation and giving life and value, and at times maybe a sharp word is spoken and we're not all perfect, and then we say, you know what, I shouldn't have said that, I'm sorry. You think that that would be healthy marriage? Absolutely. Give value to people. Give value. I remember reading a quote by Mariah Carey early on in her career. Uh, Mariah Carey says that, um, that she could hear a thousand praises and just one criticism, and the one criticism would cancel out the thousand praises. People are looking for value. So here's a question. When you come in contact with people, do they leave that conversation feeling like you made a deposit into them of encouragement? Or do they walk away feeling like, you know what, I, I, think, I, just got, I think I just got robbed. <laughs> I, 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 think I, I think they took something from me. It's a good lesson. Last, give nourishment. Give nourishment. Look at verse 21. Life, value, nourishment. The lips of the righteous feed many but fools die for lack of sense. Feed many. They, they fill you up. You come in contact with them, and man, your soul feels encouraged. You feel like your heart's overflowing with, man, what did I, who did I just talk to? They, they blessed me so much. They, they encouraged me. They, they, they applauded me. They helped me keep going. That, that's what the righteous do. They, they, they make you feel like you're full, like you're, man, that, that was a good meal. That was a good conversation. And that person made me feel treasured, made me feel special. Pastor Scott Sauls in Nashville just uh, wrote an article called this, Critique Gently, Encourage Fiercely. Let me say it again. Critique Gently, Encourage Fiercely. Critique Gently, Encourage Fiercely. And the whole point of the article was that these are the two principles that ought to operate and govern our marriages and our families and our church lives and our relationships, that when we critique, oh, we do so very gently. 
We critique, and when we do so, it is gentle. But when we encourage, we do so fiercely, and we're aggressive at it, and we're looking for opportunities to say, thank you, I love you. Man, you're good at that. I'm proud of you. And what son out there is not looking for that type of thing, where, they just, where they're longing to hear from their mom or their dad, where, where a daughter is just looking for something. They're looking to know that they're loved, they're treasured, they're valued, and all of this points to the author of life, who is the greatest encourager and value giver of all, He is greater than Solomon. He is the very wisdom of God. And so where do we go from here? Well, here's some action steps, and then we'll be done. I thought for the action steps, we'd go right to God's word. Right to God's word. So many practical things about the lips. So here we go. Number one, listen better. This is an action step. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom for the future. Friend, do you have somebody in your life who is offering recommendations or counsel or who's critiquing something in your life? Listen, I'm not saying they're right or they're they're wrong. Listen to advice. Have your posture be one of receiving correction. The discipline of life. The discipline of life. Listen well. Listen better. Number two, corrupt lesser. <laughs> corrupt lesser. This is a great memory verse. Our, our, uh, some of our pastors have been memorizing this one. Uh, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Let none, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear, it goes on to say. And then verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. What a list there, what a list. Let it all be gone, corrupt lesser. Begin to watch the words of your mouth and think before you speak. Number three, speak slower, (laughs) speak slower. James is a popular verse, read it with me. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Be fluent in two languages, English and silence. Slow to speak. Number four, silent longer. Silent longer, especially if you've been offended, especially if somebody has hurt you. Here's a verse for all of us in that category. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your heart. Where? Where? On your bed and be silent. David in the Psalms here is saying, listen, there's going to be times in life when you get offended. There's going to be stuff that happens. Don't react. Go to your bed. Close the door and cry out to God, but don't say something that you're going to regret later to that spouse. And speaking of retaliation, retaliate never. Number five, retaliate never. When he was reviled, Jesus Christ, he did not retaliate in return. He did not revile in return. He did not threaten. Think about Jesus, not only who is our Savior, our Lord, our Redeemer, but is also the model of perfection. And here is Jesus when he's getting reviled and mocked unjustly. He does not revile in return. Rather, he entrusts himself to him who judges justly. That's what the believer does. The believer in Jesus Christ, their posture is, you know what? I think that that's wrong, but I'm gonna look to God who justifies. Retaliate never. Number six, forgive offender. Forgive offender. Some of you are gonna be offended by words that people say. Perhaps today something's gonna happen and it's gonna cut into your heart. Listen, the posture of the Christian is to forgive. Forgive, be kind, 
tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as, just as what? Just as God in Christ forgave you. That is a great principle to have in play. Be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving. Number seven, marriage builder. Is this message applicable to marriages? Say yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. Husbands, love your wives. That is in the way you talk to her. Wives, Peter says, wives, respect your husband. That is in the way you talk to him. Love, respect. And may those two be in operation consistently with a rhythm that you are loving and respecting one another. And when you fail, you say, I'm sorry, honey. Number eight, parent kinder. Ephesians 6, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. That is such a good principle. Don't provoke your kids. Don't cause them to be agitated by the things that you say to them. May they know they're loved and treasured and valued in your home that the words that you say are to build up their little hearts. Paul Tripp said it in the video earlier, there is nothing more important than the development of that human soul that God has given in your home. Number nine, resurrection reminder. (laughs) Here it is. I used to hate this verse. Matthew 12, Jesus says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Jesus points us ahead. He says, hey, there's coming a day of resurrection. There's coming a day when you will rise from your grave and the dead in Christ will meet him. On that day, we will give an account. So be very careful the things that we say. Be very careful. And number 10, the sin remover. (laughs) Sin remover. This is great. Uh, read, Read this out loud with me, would you? And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. This is Isaiah who sees God in all of his holiness. And he says before this, he says, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean Lips, isn't that amazing? The first thing that he does when he sees God's holiness is like, oh, my mouth. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? And my eyes have seen the king of glory. And then the angel comes with this scene, taking the coal from the altar, and he touches his lips, and he says, your sin is atoned for. Any message, I was thinking about, any message that deals with the mouth and with the words in our lips, in our tongue, All of it has to end here with good news that Jesus Christ went to the cross to atone for every wicked thing you have ever said. And with confession and repentance and turning to him, he bears the sin upon the cross. He takes it upon himself. He offers then forgiveness, not only of the words we've said, but of the heart which is so wayward from him. And it's this Jesus who said these words. He says, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so with those words, we're reminded. We're reminded our greatest problem in the human condition is not our mouths, it's our hearts. And here we have a God in the person of Jesus Christ who can forgive and cleanse the heart, give us a new heart, and guess what happens? It begins to revolutionize what we say. Isn't that amazing? That you take a a, a man who's committed 
perversity with his language and lewd comments and deception and lies and vulgarity. And then he encounters the risen Christ. He embraces him as Lord. What happens to that man in the workplace? All of a sudden, he's singing. He's singing praises. How does that happen other than the transforming power of the Lord Jesus Christ? Give life, give value, give nourishment. There's power in the tongue. And ultimately, look to Jesus Christ because he addresses the biggest human condition, which is a corrupt heart, and he cleanses us so that we begin to overflow with praises to him. I hope you leave today with confidence and hope and expectation that Jesus Christ is the Savior of sinners, and you look to him. Should there be conviction? Yeah, I would assume so. I've been convicted all week. But at the end of the day, we serve a God who has rescued us, who has redeemed us from the grave, and who has given us a new tongue with which to sing praises to him. Would you bow your heads with me? What's your action step today? Pastor Rick is going to come up and uh, just tag one, one a simple chorus here. But what's your action step? There's going to be a lot, but I want you to hone in. Would you do that for me? Would you, would you do that right now? Would you make a commitment to the Lord your God of a very specific action that he is calling you to take? And in prayer right now, all across this room, God does not get confused with the volume of voices. He does not get confused when a thousand people at New Hope and in Bel Air raise their voices in prayer to him. He knows every one of you by name. He loves you, he values you, and he hears you. So commit to him in prayer right now what your action step will be. And thank him today. Thank him for this gentle reminder. He's so good, isn't he, church? He's so good.